Welcome to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. As a veteran senior pastor, Dr. Sullivan understands the importance of Bible teaching in the spiritual growth and development of God's people. Dr. Sullivan's method of teaching the Bible is to read and carefully explain each chapter and verse in clear and understandable terms so the student of the Bible gains the full understanding of God's Word. Now prepare yourself to learn and grow as Dr. Sullivan teaches through the Bible. Hello. Welcome to another session of Teaching Through the Bible. I'm Dr. Ken Sullivan. Today I'm teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 from the New International Versions. So let's begin. I'm reading 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. Paul believed in the power of prayer. In James 5.16, the Bible says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So Paul believed that when he prayed that God would hear and things would move eventually. He believed that the weight of his prayer would certainly harmonize with God's will and move God's will along. When the righteous pray effectively and fervently, God responds. Now, God often waits until we pray before he moves because we're partners together with God. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 says, As God's partners, we beg you, not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. By waiting until we pray, God acts. And, and, and waiting until we pray before he acts, God motivates us to pray when trouble comes. Um, waiting. If we understand that God moves when we pray, then God waiting. He, he, he has this wait period. If we're not praying, very often God is not moving because we have our part to do uh, and he has his part to do. God is so wonderful that he has allowed us, his saints, those of us who, who follow him to have partnership with him. So he does his part and we do our part. And part of our responsibility as Christians is to, is to pray. God asked the saints to pray for very specific things, knowing that their prayers would make a difference. He told them to pray that the message of the Lord would spread rapidly. That was very important, that, uh, that the kingdom of God through the gospel would spread throughout the earth and, and spread rapidly. Um, he said, asked them to pray that others would honor the message as the Thessalonians had honored it. He wanted them to have the right attitude. He wanted people to mix faith with what they heard. And then he said, pray for deliverance from wicked and evil people, understanding that not everyone has faith. So Paul understood that he needed to get the help of the saints in his prayers to move God's agenda along. Very often, God has things that he wants to do in the earth, but because he has bound himself to us uh, as partners, 
He very often will wait until we pray, uh, and then God will allow things in, in our lives that will cause us to pray, to seek him. Sometimes people won't pray until there's trouble in their lives. Some people won't even turn to God, won't mention his name, won't go to their knees until something happens in their lives, and then they go, uh, go seeking after God. Well, we should be people of constant prayer. Prayer should be our habit. Uh, God's people should be people of prayer. Now, I'm reading verses three through five. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Paul assures the Thessalonian saints of God's faithfulness and and of God's strength and of God's protection from, from Satan. It's important to know that, that God is our shield and he is our exceeding great reward. It's important to know that God is with us when we're going through times of trouble. It's important to be aware of the presence of God and the support of God in whatever we're doing, whatever we're facing in life, whether times are good or whether times are bad. We need to remind ourselves that God is faithful and he will do just what he has promised to do. And then we should uh, stand up and do what God has called us to do. Paul knew that God would continue to help them to, be, uh, to live obedient lives. And certainly we have God's help and it's important to know that we're not in this struggle by ourselves. We're not walking this journey by ourselves, that we have God's, God's help. God is working with us and and the scripture says that God is working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's one of my favorite passages of scripture from Philippians chapter two. Paul prayed for God to direct them in his love and in Christ's perseverance. Uh, it's important to know that when we persevere through troubles, that we're not doing it by willpower. We are doing it by the power of God who is working in us. When we have difficulties in our lives and, and we remain faithful to God or we draw even closer to God, it is God who is helping us. He is giving us the faith and giving us the determination to continue on. So uh, we don't want to ever take credit for uh, what is accomplished in our lives and the way that we stand for Christ. The love in our hearts and the strength to persevere comes from God. God is love and and God is our helper, and God is our strength. Now I'm reading verses six through nine. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how we ought to, how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we work night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we will not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. Paul gave the Thessalonian saints some simple instructions in righteousness here. He is teaching them as new Christians how to conduct their lives. He said, don't associate with idle, rebellious troublemakers in the church. And uh, it's important to know that uh, the church has people who are idle, 
troublemakers, gossips, those who rebel against the agenda of God. Every church has them. And so if we want to walk in the way that God wants us to walk, we have to avoid uh, associating with these people uh, closely. We have to mark those who rebel against God and and the Bible says to avoid them. It may, it may sound cruel. It may sound unloving. Um, uh, we don't have to put up a face of Sean, but we have to just uh, use wisdom. You don't want to associate closely with people who are influencing you to rebel against God. Find people in the church who are trying to do what is right. People who are, are, are trying to live right and uh, trying to do what God has called them to do and, and attach yourself to them. Make friends of people who are going somewhere. I told my children when they were, when they were in school growing up, I said, find the person who is studious, the person who is doing what the teacher says and, and, and befriend that person, get with a person that's going in the right direction. Of course, I'm sorry to say that they didn't always do that. They didn't follow my advice, but they've turned out okay. God has blessed them anyway. So Paul said, avoid those who refuse to live by our teaching. Avoid them. They're rebellious. They're troublemakers. And you don't want to associate with troublemakers. The Bible says a wise person sees trouble coming and hides himself, but a fool goes on and is destroyed. Paul said, we set the right example for you to follow. So follow it. Follow our example. We didn't just teach you the word. We didn't just declare it to you. We got down and we showed you how to live. We model good Christian character for you to imitate. So imitate it. We model good work ethics, he said. We worked night and day. We didn't take advantage of anybody. We didn't make ourselves a burden to anyone. And of course, Paul, as, a, as a, an apostle, doing the work of the ministry, had the right to support but he did not want to uh, give occasion for people to criticize him. Even though he had the right to do it, he chose uh, not to, to use that right, to utilize that right. And so he chose to work hard, him and his company, and earn their own living instead of relying on the support uh, of these new saints. He didn't want them to, to get the wrong impression or to get off on the wrong foot. So he modeled a good work ethic. And then he says, we model honesty and integrity by paying our own way. We model it for you. We taught you, and then we set you the right example. We didn't accept support from you, Paul says, because we wanted to be models for you to imitate. And it was very important to Paul to set the right example, not only to teach what the word says, but also to set the example of what the word says. Now I'm reading verses 10 through 12. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. So Paul warns against sloth and idleness. Um, very practical instructions very practical information. Sometimes a person may not know how to react to people who are in rebellion, who are idle and, and slothful. You don't want to hurt their feelings and, and you don't want to insult them. But Paul just says, hey, avoid them. 
and those who, who are refusing to work shouldn't, they shouldn't be allowed to eat. He says, some among you are idle and disruptive. They're refusing to work. Uh, and so don't feed them. Don't encourage their sloth, their slothful lifestyle by feeding them. You don't want to encourage bad behavior by rewarding it. That's when raising your children, how do we do in life, whether you are uh, in business, you want to reward good behavior. Paul is telling them, isolate yourself from this kind of behavior. Idle people are often undirected, rebellious troublemakers. They have all this time and they're not doing anything fruitful or productive with that time. So Satan usually channels them uh, into the wrong direction. Paul urged them in Jesus's name to settle down and earn a living. Paul used the power, the authority of the name of Jesus to add teeth to what he was saying. It's not just me talking. I'm speaking on the behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. You settle down and, and, and work and earn your own living. In chapter four of his first letter to the Thessalonians, Paul instructed them to, number one, mind their own business. Don't be busybodies, but mind your own business. He instructed them to work with their hands. Uh, he instructed them to live lives that might win the respect of outsiders. He instruct, instructed them in that same chapter not to be dependent on anyone, to stand on their own two feet. So Paul repeated those instructions, invoking the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm reading verses 13 through 15. As for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. So now Paul gives them a caveat. He's saying, don't reject them as non-believers, those who are idle and disruptive and, and those who are misbehaving and rebelling. They are fellow church members. They are, they are fellow saints of God. Um, you shun them. That is, you don't associate with them, but uh, don't treat them like an unbeliever. Draw a line. Don't cross that line. Still treat them with kindness when you encounter them, but just don't hang with them. Uh, be courteous to them, but just don't hang them with them. He's saying, don't get tired of doing good. That's another important point, he says. Keep doing what is right. Do what you know is right even when it seems like you're not being rewarded for it, even when it seems like uh, it's not working, keep doing what is right. In the long haul, you will come out on top. He says, mark those who rebel against our instructions and avoid them. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So Paul says, Shame them by shunning them. In other words, frown on their rebellion. Don't let them think that, that you are going along with them when they go against the agenda of the church. There are some people who love to criticize pastors and they love to go against pastors and, and find fault with pastors. Every pastor that they get under, they eventually begin to criticize him. And, and certainly there is no perfect church 
There are no perfect pastors. But if you have a man who is honest, who loves his wife, who is living by the word of God, who who has morals, moral integrity, and who is trying to do what's right, though he's going to have some faults and there may be some glaring faults, then you get behind that man and pray for him and follow that agenda. If he's teaching the word of God, he's trying to do right, he's not beating up on his wife or running around and uh, chasing skirts and doing all this ungodly stuff that some people do. If you've got a good man of God, you get behind him and God will bless you for it. Paul is saying, you shun those people who are rebelling against God's church and against God's um, agenda. Paul said, don't regard them as enemies now. Just want to repeat that and reemphasize that. But warn them as fellow believers. Warn them. Move them to obedience by making them uncomfortable in their rebellion. Let them see, yes, I'm going along with the pastor. I'm going to support what he's trying to do. Uh, Yes, I am a supporter and not a rebel. Uh, Let them see that you're not going along with their agenda and, and shame them toward obedience. Never comfort rebellious people. Never encourage them in their wrong. They are working against God's agenda and ultimately against you if you are moving uh, in God's direction. Our disapproval of a Christian's rebellious conduct should not be hidden. uh, Yeah, you want to be respectful to people, but you don't want them to get the least impression that you're going along with their rebellion. Let them know that... uh, uh, you're going with the pastor. You're supporting the church. You're doing what, what God is saying. As, as long as the pastor is moving in the right direction, he is not contradicting the scripture and, and going against what God is saying. You're, you're supportive of him. Don't be timid about letting rebels know that they are, you're not with them. Stand up for God. Now, verses 16 through 18 says this. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, And in every way, the Lord will be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting in my hand, my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Paul extends his prayer for their peace. Remember, Paul is like a a parent. He's like a father. He's like a doting father. He is... Uh, protective of the saints. He wants them to do well. And and I want to tell you that every good parent, every good father, and every good mother wants their children to do well. They want their children to excel. And they want their children to go higher and do better than what they did. And that's the attitude of Paul toward these saints. He wants them to grow in grace. He wants them to have peace. He wants them to enjoy the joy of the Lord and the prosperity of God. And he wants them to be effective uh, at what God has called them and purposed them to do. Certainly God has given us all a purpose. We're here um, for a reason. And as we seek God and as we get closer to him, he will reveal to us what our purpose is. God speaks by passion. Uh, And the closer we get to God, the more time we spend with him in prayer, the more time we spend in the word of God, then 
then God is able to better reveal to us what he wants us to do. Because when we pray and when we get with God, God speaks back to us more than words. We speak to him and then we listen to him in our time of prayer and devotion. But God speaks back in more than words. He speaks in passion. He will give you dreams and visions. And I don't mean the kind of dream that you lie down and go to sleep and dream. Uh, but he will bring into your, your heart and your mind ideas of, of good things that you can do. God is never going to give you a bad vision or a bad dream, a dream that's going to, to do harm in the world. But God will give you a vision of how to do some good in the world. He will bring that to you. And if you spend time in his presence in prayer, you've got to sacrifice some time. Get up early in the morning and go before God in prayer. Get your Bible and open it and read it before other people begin reading, before other people are stirring, and before all of the demands of the day begin to crowd in on you. Get some alone time with God. Jesus got up a great while before day, the Bible says, and he prayed. Um, and I remember George Washington Carver, a man whose life uh, I admire. He said, while other people are still asleep, I hear God best and learn his plan. So it is a habit of my life to get before God early in the morning, and it has been since the time my children were small. Uh, get up early in the morning before they start staring, before they start clamoring for cereal and milk and, and, and uh, all of the things that children do, uh, clamor for. Before they start making all their demands on my life, I get down before God before uh, they, they move. I've done that from the time that my children were small. Now my children are grown and out of the house and they have children of their own. They've given me grandchildren. And uh, I pray for them and, and I pray for my family and for my wife. And, and God has honored that down through the years. So establish that as a habit of your life to pray and to seek God. I, uh, I'm, I'm writing a book now uh, about uh, prayer life and the strength of prayer life and, and uh, how it nourishes us, prayer and the word and meditating upon the word. And I think it's going to be a blessing to you. Uh, so Paul dedicated his letters as a scribe wrote them down. It's important to know that. He closed his letter with uh, his own handwriting as, as sort of a mark of distinction. He closed some of his letters in his own home, uh, in his own handwriting. He usually dictated these letters to a scribe and the, uh, and the scribe would write them down. And then, of course, he always liked to close with his own handwriting. So when they read it, they would see down at the end Paul's distinctive handwriting. Well, that brings us to the close of another chapter. We're closing out the, the, this chapter of 2 Thessalonians, chapter, uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, actually. Next time, we'll begin studying the pastoral epistles of First Timothy. So um, we finish 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We'll be going into the pastoral epistles, the uh, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and, and uh, Titus are pastoral appear, uh, epistles, and they, they give information to those who are in leadership, some good, solid information, things that we should know. So we'll be going into that next time. And well, that brings us to the close of the book of 2 Thessalonians. Next time, we'll begin studying the pastoral epistles of 1 Timothy. 
Thank you for tuning in to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. We hope this program has benefited you in your Christian walk. For a free download of this program and to browse Dr. Sullivan's books, videos, and audio titles, visit our website at EmergeCurriculum.com. Please tune into our next teaching session on Vision Stream Network or listen on demand from our podcast. Trust you've enjoyed this teaching. I want you to know that my book, Teach Me About Heaven, it's available on Amazon.com or you can get it at www.emergecurriculum.com.